Good morning, Victory Church. Yo, I have got to take a second. Well, first of all, let me introduce myself. My name is Troy. You just met my wife, Darla. Usually I have to introduce or usually I have to talk about her without introducing her because she normally doesn't get to be up here on stage. So it was kind of cool to be able to see her this morning. So that was my wife, Darla, for anybody who's been visiting and you've never met her, uh, somebody you want to get connected with, get to know more about. And I want to take a moment to welcome you if you are visiting in the house. What a great Sunday to be here. You'll see as we continue what a special day this is. I want to take a second and I want to celebrate Victory Church. I want to celebrate you, the dream team. I want to celebrate what happened last Sunday. So obviously Darla's already talked about the amazing trunks and all this, but listen, it was the largest attended Sunday service since Easter. Come on. You got to give God praise for that. And we're believing that somewhere between 150 to 200 people from the community came after service to be able to experience. So come on. We were able to meet some needs of our community, love on our community, and an even more, here's the best celebration of it all, two people committed their life to Christ that day. Come on. Let's give God praise. Again, just what a great day, being able to celebrate the community, being able to celebrate and use you guys' gifts and talents. So I just want to say thank you. I also want to say thank you to the Dream Team as you continue. In the month of October, we saw 16 people graduate Grow Track and join the Dream Team. Come on, come on. 16 people. And so God's moving, doing great things. I want to make one more announcement because I want to give you a heads up and then we'll get into the word. In December 9th, go ahead and make a mental note, calendar note, however it is you operate. December 9th, we will take up a, what we call an end-of-the-year uh, offering. We, we call it, we title it Purpose Prevails. And we do that because we want to move forward the purpose that God has for our community through Victory Church. And so the reason why I'm telling you now, December 9th is when we'll take up the offering. Uh, December 2nd, I'll cast vision to what we're wanting to do in 2019 with the money. 100% of the money that we raise will go to ministry. It'll go to what we're doing through this church and in the community. And I'll cast a little bit of vision of what we're wanting to do in 2019 on December 2nd. The reason why I'm telling you right now, six weeks away, because the Bible talks about how every man and woman should give what they have planned in their heart. Here's what that means. That means I can't go, boo, you got to give today, because then you can't plan it. And so I want you to be able to plan it, and here's how you'll plan it. You will pray and ask God what to give. So look, don't leave here and be like, my pastor's asking me, I'm not asking you to do anything. I want you to talk to God about it. You ask God. If God tells you don't give anything, don't give nothing. But when you ask and God tells you to give something, you better give what he tells you to give. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to start talking about it every week leading up. you got about six weeks. Talk to your spouse. Talk to your family. It's a great thing for your kids to be a part of and to see mom and dad stepping out in faith. Because believe me, whatever you do and sacrifice in the name of God will come back a hundredfold and you'll see the blessing and it'll be a great teaching lesson for your children. Amen? If you got your Bibles, open to the book of Matthew, chapter 14. If you don't have your Bible, more than welcome to use your phone. Also, the verses will be on the screen above me. We are in a series called From Here to There, where we are asking God to do the impossible in our lives, and we are finding the faith to believe in it. The whole series is birthed off of Matthew 17, verse 20, where Jesus tells his disciples, Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, which is where we get the title of the series, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And so we continue with this series. We've given out these bookmarks to where you can kind of follow along and write down some notes that can be able to look back and see what God did in your life in this journey. If you don't have one, you can grab one at the tent on your way out. 
But I'm reading this book, or I was reading this book, called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. You ever heard of this book? It's by uh, Pastor Jim Simbola, who pastors the Brooklyn Tab- Tabernacle Church in Brooklyn, New York. And on page 23, he writes this statement. Here's the statement. I despair at the thought that my life might slip by without seeing God show himself mightily on our behalf. Wow. I don't know about you, but, but I, I have a desire to see God do something in my life. I have this desire, this, this yearning inside of me. I don't want to just be born and live out the dash and then die. I want something to happen while I'm alive in my life that's so crazy, that's so wild, that I can say God moved mightily on my behalf, that I was able to see it and be a part of it. Here's how I word it. I want to be in the middle of a move of God. Anybody else? Is it just me? A few of us? All right. We want to be in the middle of a move of God. I, here, here, let me give you more description. I want to be a part of something so audacious, so crazy, so ridiculous that when people who are looking at it, people who are watching from the outside, they look at it and they say a statement like this, that has to be God. Because those people are just people. There's nothing special about them. There's no way that could happen that intensely if it wasn't God. That's what I'm talking about. I want to be a part of something like that. And that's what's really birthed this series is that I want to see something like that happen in my life. It's my page 23 vision per se. I want to see God move mightily on my behalf. I I want to be in the middle of an experience like what happens in Matthew chapter 14. So we're going to read that. Verse 22 is where we'll start. And this whole section is what's this, these five verses or so, or I'm sorry, like 11 verses, will uh, kind of set the pace of this entire message. So here we go. You ready? Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. And while he dismissed the crowd, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And the disciples saw him walking on the lake. They were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter said, then tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said, and then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, and he caught him. You of little faith, Jesus said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Peter is in the middle of a boat, in the middle of the water in the middle of the storm. And that's where Jesus was. And Peter walks on water. A couple of months ago, Darla and I got the privilege to go to a leadership conference in Birmingham, Alabama. And because of my in-laws, we got the privilege to go without kids. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, y'all know what that's like. So we drove to Memphis, and we dropped the kids off, and then we drove from Memphis to Birmingham, and the conference was on a Tuesday, and we left on a Monday. And so here's the funny thing. 
about the whole situation. The best thing about the whole trip, it wasn't the conference, although the conference was great, and it wasn't the resources, although the resources were helpful. The, the best thing about the entire trip was the journey from Memphis to Birmingham. And here's why. A, I still love my wife, okay? B, we were without kids for six hours, okay? And now I know what that is. Like, it's like a brand new honeymoon. And so we talked and we laughed and we, we, we did a horrible job, well she didn't, at karaokeing music all the way. We would stop at like different little historical sites and take pictures. There was this weird thing where like the Beatles were walking and I was doing like a boomerang with them trying to pretend like I was I don't know any of the Beatles. And so, um, and then we would stop at like coffee shops and she would get a coffee and I'd get a donut, right? Just, it makes sense. And so we would hang out and because we weren't in a rush, we just had a great time. You ever done that before? You ever been on a road trip with no rush? And it's just amazing. You just enjoy it. Such a great time. And here was the reason why. Because we were not driven by our destination, right? I think sometimes with our faith, we're driven by our destination. And when we're driven by our destination, or for the sake of this series, when we are driven by our there, we will often look at the journey and count the journey as insignificant. And here's the problem with being driven by your there. And tell me if you realize this. Once you arrive at your there, your there becomes your here, and a new there opens up. Right? We're always about getting there, but then you get there, and there is now here, right? You couldn't wait to get married. Married was your there. Now you're here, and now you can't wait to have kids. Or, or, and then when you get into your there, and your there becomes here, a new there pops up. Let me give you a couple examples. For, for those of you ladies who you're wanting to have a baby, right? You're wanting to, to start a family. And so you're here, and your there is to get pregnant. And so, so then you get pregnant, and your there becomes your here, and now you just wish the baby would come out, right? It's just absolutely miserable. You're eating things that, you know, goats wouldn't eat, and it's just, it's just an, it's a hard experience. And then the, the baby comes out, and, and now you're here, and now you just wish the baby would let you sleep at night, right? Like, what would that be like for you to actually get a night's rest? And so now you're new there, is you wish your baby was a toddler. <laughs> and, and then your baby becomes a toddler, right? And now you got this toddler who won't quit going, ma, 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 and whining and whining and whining. And now you're like, I just wish this kid would be quiet. And so you're there, becomes a teenager, and now your kid won't talk to you anymore. Now you wish your teenager was a baby again, and so it doesn't matter. You go from here to there, your there becomes here, and new there. If you're a student and you're in middle school, oh, you can't wait for, your there is high school. I can't wait to get in high school. High school is the best. Then you get in high school and you find out high school is nothing like you thought it was going to be. It's not like Zach Morris pretended it was going to be. It is just like middle school, but with harder tests. And so now you can't wait to get out of high school, right? So now you're there is college, then you get to college and realize this isn't any better. And so now you're there becomes a job where you can get some money. And then you get out of college and you get a job and you find a job comes with bills. And now you just wish you were a kid again. It just doesn't matter. It's a vicious cycle. Go from here to there. Your there becomes here and a new there. And watch this. Here's what I've learned. The more this process continues, watch this. This is so good. You will find yourself looking at the things you prayed for yesterday and complaining about them today. The things we prayed for yesterday, we are complaining about today. <laughs> and so when you see that vicious cycle, here was my question for you this morning is, what is 
the point? What's the point? Why am I doing this whole faith journey if it's just going to get me there so that my there can become a here and I can get a new there? What is the point? If, if the things I'm praying for today will be the things I complain about tomorrow, what is the point? What if I told you that the point of your faith journey was never your destination? What if I told you it was never about you arriving at your there? What if I told you that the point of your faith journey was the journey? Matthew chapter 14. Peter says to Jesus, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to this water, tell me to get out of this boat and walk on this water and come to you. Jesus, there was something inside of Peter, listen to me, something inside of Peter that was yearning to do something wild. There's something in, Peter's in that boat and he's twitching. You know what I'm talking about? You ever, you ever seen somebody, they can't, he's just, he's like, like I, never mind. I'll tell you what he looks like, but in Memphis, never mind. And so he just, he, he just, he, you know, he's free. He, he just needs something. He just got this audacious, he just wants to, he wants so bad to, yeah, he wants so bad to step out of the boat. But he says, I need a reason. I need a reason. I want, there's something in me that believes that there's more, right? This is us. There's something in me that believes that there's more. There's something in me that wants to be a part of something great. There's something in me that wants God to move mightily on my behalf. There's something in me that wants to be a part of something audacious, but I need a good reason to get out of this boat, to get out of comfort, to get out of complacency. I need a good reason. So Jesus gives him a reason. And he gives Peter his there. Come. The Lord spoke this to me this week and I thought I would share it with you. Our there is simply the bait to get us out of the boat. Our there is not our destination. It's just the bait. Did you notice that Jesus didn't say, come to me? He just said, come. Because he wasn't worried about the destination. He just wanted them out of the boat. He just wants you out of the, he just wants to bait us out of the boat. So he puts a there in our heart, right? There's a dream. There's an aspiration. There's a relationship. There's a job. There's a family. There's something in us that is that there. And that's the only thing that has the ability to get us off the couch, roll up the Lay's potato chips, turn off Netflix, and step out into something audacious is because we want our there so bad. When we first moved here, um, I, I like the outdoors. I, I, well, I say that. Let me, let me reframe. I like to uh, occasionally stare at the outdoors. Um, and so we, we went out. We were checking stuff out. You know, up here, Memphis, you don't have a lot of, it's just drug deals and murders in Memphis. And, and here, you know, you got waterfalls and different things. And so me and Darla went to this one area with the kids, and there was like this little bitty waterfall. And it was, it was kind of water coming, and it probably dropped down about three feet. And then it kept on going over some rocks. And I, I was like, man, that's so cool. And I had this thought. I said, babe, it'd be so much fun to go buy one of those inflatable tubes, you know what I'm talking about, and get in that and just ride it down. Because it wasn't that far of a drop. It was just a little bit of drop. So it'd be so much fun. It's like, wee, boop, you know, wee. It'd be kind of fun. And so um, I went and I bought the tube. And here's the deal. I knew I was never going to do it, right? I mean, come on, let's be honest. So I needed to bait somebody to do it because I wanted to see it done 
but I wasn't going to risk my life, right? We got a church to plant. And so I, you know, I had to find someone who was expendable. And so I called up Chase Lowry, those of you that know Chase Lowry. And he loves outside, outside, outdoors. And I said, hey, man, you got to come see this lake or whatever it was. I didn't know what it was. With Darla and I, so him and his wife, Samantha, they serve in V-Kids. And so they came, and I brought the little tube. And here was the problem. So when we were there the first time, the water was about shin deep, okay? In the three or four weeks that it took for us to get back there, it had rained a lot. Now the water was about waist deep. So it was a little different. And so we got, we got in the water, and we were having to hold on to tree limbs so that the water wouldn't just take us. And the whole time I'm thinking, like, there's no way I'm doing this. But I can bait him into doing it, you know what I mean? And so I just say stuff like, man, wouldn't it be so much fun to ride this float? down as I'm like drifting away. Wouldn't it be so much fun to risk our lives? Man, your wife would think it's so cool, dude. You should do it, you know? And finally, he was like, all right, I'll do it. And I'm like, for real? And so I took the inflatable and I gave it to him and he got on the inflatable and shoom, there he went. And he went down the waterfall and he's moving at a fast pace. And all of a sudden, down towards the end, it gets real shallow and it's a bunch of rocks. And so he was moving so fast. I remember this being the last picture of him. He was like this. The next picture of him, he was about 20 or 30 feet down the, 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 the wood, wooded area. Came out, he was all cut and bloody, and he's walking out. I had no idea he would spend four months in the hospital after this, okay? Not my fault. Didn't know he would catch parasites and all this kind of stuff. I just thought it was cool. It just made a lot of sense. It made for the best Instagram video you'll ever find. His life was worth a good vine. You know what I'm talking about? It's just how it works. And so I had to bait him into it. And so sometimes Christ has to bait us into stuff because we want to see crazy things, but we aren't that brave. We want to be a part of a miraculous moments, but we aren't that crazy. God has an audacious plan for our lives, but we have to step out to find out. Right? Think about it. Abraham if it wasn't for his desire to have a son, okay, he, he desired to have a son of his own. And so that desire kind of baited him out of complacency and led him down a faith journey where he believed his wife could have children at the age of 90. Amen. Elijah, it was his desire to do something greater that baited him out of this, this, this complacency and took him on a faith journey and caused him to sell the ox and burn the plow and follow Elijah for a double portion. It, it was this there that Jesus says, come, that baits Peter out of the boat and into the middle of the ocean. But why would Jesus want to bait us to the middle. Watch what verse 29 says. It says that Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, came towards Jesus. So you have three specific situations. You have the boat, you have the miracle, and you have Jesus. The boat is the here. It's where Peter was. It says here. His there was Jesus. The miracle is in the middle. The reason why God wants to bait us out of the boat is because it's never about our destination. It's about the miracles that are going to happen in the middle. Understanding the growth process in the middle. 
understanding what you're going to learn about God in the middle. We are so destination driven. God, would you answer this prayer? God, would you answer this prayer? God, would you answer this? Would you do this? I need this job. I need this. I need this. I need this. And the entire time, God's just using your desire for it to bait you out of the boat so that you'll step into the middle and experience the miracles that are in the middle. Because God's desire, listen to me, God's whole desire of faith is for you at some point to begin to value the middle. Faith will cause you to value the journey. It wasn't getting to Birmingham. It was the journey with my wife to Birmingham. It wasn't God answering my prayer. It was the journey with God to my prayer, valuing the middle. Anybody in here uh, about to get married? Anybody? I know, I know two, couple, two people that are. I don't even know if they're in here right now. Anybody, anybody here? No? Oh, okay. Brandon, Cabrina. All right. Uh, I don't know where Blake and Lenise are. So we know we got two couples that are about to get married. So you guys are in wedding planning stage. So cute. You know, in 2018, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of excitement for the whole pre-wedding stuff. You know, people have, uh, what do they call it? Uh, um, Bridal showers and bridal, they have, they have showers for people who aren't even in the wedding. You know what I mean? It's like, ain't you clean enough? Why are we having more showers? And so it's just all this fancy stuff, and you're trying to figure out the caterer. We gonna have, what are we going to do? Are we going to do pinwheels? Are we going to have, you know, pop cakes, cake pops? What are we going to do? Uh, uh, how many people are we going to invite? And then we got to design our, our invitations, and they got to be cute. Let's have a picture of you as a baby and me as a baby. And then in the center, we'll be together, and we'll send it out, and it'll be precious. And what are we, where are we going to do it at? Do we want to do it outside, or do we want to do it inside? Or should, like, one leg be inside, and one leg, should you, your family be inside, and me and my family will be outside, or vice versa, like, you know, anyway. And so and it's all of this work. All this way, and the wedding hasn't even began. And everybody puts so much value in all of the preparation pre wedding. But let me tell you something as someone who's been married 10 plus years the value is never in the beginning, the value is in the middle. It's in the middle, it's in the process, it's in the middle. It's not right before the wedding. It's a year after. You know, they call that first year the honeymoon period. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody in here married 20 years or more? Anybody here married 20 years or more? All right, you can testify to the middle, right? It wasn't the beginning. The beginning was great and everything. You know, oh, I got our first kiss. Oh, we're not going to look at each other. You hold my hand. You sit on that side of the door. It's going to be so precious. Now it's like, would you get out of my way? You know what I mean? Ugh. You didn't even put the toilet seat down. What's wrong with you? Ugh. You know what I mean? It's in the middle. In the middle is where the value is. Anybody here about to have a kid? Anybody? Apparently we need to raise the stakes of this situation. Your pat never mind, I won't go there. Uh, anybody here just recently had a kid? Anybody? All right, there we go. Good. Remember all the preparation? Once again, showers. Oh, you got him a onesie and his name's on it. How are we going to tell everybody if it's a boy or a girl? Because everybody cares. So, so what do we do? Let, let's tell you what. Let's get dirt and let's color the dirt blue. And when people walk in the room, let's just hit them in the face with the dirt. 
It's a boy. <laughs> How is, it's all of this pre-process, all of this preparation process. But those of you that right now you're up all night because the baby is teething. It wasn't about the beginning. It was about the middle. It's all about the middle. Learn to value the middle. Why? Because it's in the grind where we grow. Let me tell you where you're going to learn the value of your marriage. In the grind. Here's what I mean by that. When you've been at work all day, and your wife has been at home with the kids, and you come home from work, and you expect the dishes to be clean, and the laundry to be done, and she has been taking care of the demonic children that you created all day, and when she sees your face, all she cares about, not a kiss, not a hug, she just wants you to take these kids off of her so that she can have a peaceful moment and talk to an adult. And she would love for you to do the laundry and for you to, you can tell I've lived this in case you're wondering, you to do the dishes. And there's a moment where you come to a disagreement. That's called the grind. There's a grind there where I have to grow in that grind. I have to learn about my wife and she has to learn about me. And who we were in the beginning is not who we are in the middle because we've been through some stuff, been through some grind. Who's been married less than two years? Anybody here been married less than two years? Oh, so sweet. <laughs> Do yourself a favor. Find some of these people that have been married more than 20 years and ask them about the grind. Tell me about the grind. Those of you that you're holding the baby right now, oh, sure, 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 go, 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 go. The process is in the grind. And here's why. Because in the grind, two things happen. Number one, in the grind, you realize your weaknesses. Ooh, I see now that I don't really put the toilet seat down very often. We're learning this now. I'm not the best at laundry. I'm not the best cook. I'm, I'm learning this in the grind. I'm learning weaknesses about myself. But you're also growing in the grind. Oh, man, that baby's been crying for three straight hours, and I didn't hit him. Woohoo! Hallelujah, I'm growing different than who I was. There's growth in it. Can I ask you a question? If you read throughout the New Testament, multiple times Jesus controlled weather patterns. There was one time he spoke to a storm. Stop! He put that whole, uh-uh, not here. You know, he put that whole, like, move on it. Like, eh, you remember that growing up? When he started talking. He would just stop you. He just put that on the storm. My like, storm was moving. I'm Jesus. Constantly stopping storms. And yet here's this moment where his child, right, son of God, Peter, is about to walk on water, and here comes a storm. If there was ever a time for Jesus to stop a storm, wouldn't it have been now? My, my son, and obviously when I say that, I mean we are all children of God. Peter wasn't Jesus' physical son, but you understand what I'm saying. My, my, my child is walking on water. He's in a faith-building moment. And so if there was ever a time for me to to a storm, it'd be right now. But he doesn't. And the Bible said that Peter saw the wind, and he began to sink. Why? Because Jesus knew about some weaknesses in Peter. And he knew that Peter got prideful occasionally and probably at one point in this walk started thinking he was doing it on his own. 
He knew there were some other weaknesses. He knew that Peter had a little bit of faith, but needed more. And he knew that through this process, he could grow Peter. And so instead of letting the storm pass by, he brings the storm right through the middle. Because he knows that once Peter gets into the middle and is impacted by the storm, weaknesses will be revealed, and now there is a growing opportunity. And instead of Jesus sitting back and going, ha, 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 you're not as cool as you think you are, Jesus gets in the middle. Peter's in the middle of a boat. Now he's in the middle of the water, in the middle of a storm, and right in the middle is Jesus. Because it's in the middle where we grow. It's in the middle where our weaknesses are revealed. It's in the middle where we're strengthened. And it's in the middle where we become the most intimate with Jesus. You know, there was a, obviously a season in my life where my here was Memphis. And my there was Smyrna. And I had a lot of conversations with people in this process. And they told me a lot of things about my here and they told me a lot of things about my there. People would tell me that the cost of living was higher in my there than it was in my here. People would tell me that I didn't have the family in my there that I did in my here. People would tell me that my there didn't need a church, and I was already a part of a church in my here. There was a lot of conversation about my here and my there, but very few people ever talked to me about the middle. It was almost like the journey was insignificant, that it was so much about getting from here to there, and no one ever talked about the potential of the process. No one ever warned me about the middle. I'll give you an example. Nobody let me know that when this whole thing began, my boss, my pastor at the time, said, hey, we're going to cover your salary. At the time, I want to say it was like January, from January to June. Let's just say that was the time frame. And in June, we were moving. So all the money that you've raised, you don't have to use that to pay your salary. We'll pay your salary, and you can help us raise up whoever's going to take your position. And on free time, you can work on victory. And then you'll have all the money you've saved up for when you move. I thought it was just the most incredible, uh, gracious thing I'd ever heard. I thought it was incredible. And so everything was going good, and we're moving now. We're in like first, second week of January, and we had Fridays off because we worked on Sundays. And so Fridays were off, and I'm in the bed, and Darla's asleep, and my phone rings. It's really early in the morning, and I answer my phone, and it's my pastor, and he doesn't really, doesn't really call me at 5 or 6 in the morning. So I get up, and I go in the living room, and I go, hey, pastor, you know what's going on? He said, hey, we're having some financial difficulties with the church, and some of the commitments we made to you we're not going to be able to follow through with. I said, okay, what does that mean? He said, well, we can't commit to paying your salary until you move. So in January, we'll give you 100% of what we've told you. And in February, we'll give you 75%. And in March, we'll give you 50%. And in April, we'll give you 25%. And in May and June, there's nothing. I said, yes, sir. I mean, that's more than I could ever ask for. So what am I going to do, complain? I said, no problem. Thank you, sir. We got off the phone. I immediately went into prayer right in my living room. God, what am I going to do? How, how am I going to be able to prep for this church and go get a full-time job? And how am I going to do any kind of work they've asked me to do at my home church when I'm working a full-time job? And i got to have a full-time job that makes this kind of money because i got two kids to eat and I'm trying two kids to feed, not to eat. That'd be awkward. And i got to sell the house and all this kind of stuff. And what am I going to do? And so if you know my schedule, you know this is what I did. I got up, I got dressed, and I went to the gym. And I started walking and praying. Lord, I just don't know. 
you're going to have to handle this. I was trusting you. I don't know what I'm going to do. I was really worried. I hadn't told my wife yet. <laughs> Sometimes you got to process stuff before you let your wife in on it. And I'm walking and I'm walking. I remember getting in the car and I'm just beginning to cry. I don't know what I'm going to do. No one ever told me about the middle. I thought it was all about the there, but there was stuff happening in the middle. And so I just, again, in my car, began to pray. I said, God, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, what we're going to do. But Lord, I've trusted you in this move and you're going to provide and I know that and I believe it and I drove home. I walked in, told Darla. Darla said, well, babe, we'll figure it out. About two hours later, it was about three o'clock, four o'clock in the afternoon, something like that. My phone rang. And when he answered, it was my pastor. He said, hey, uh, brother, I'm sorry. Um, I talked to the Lord this morning. The Lord told me that not to pull back on what we promised you. He said, he told me we're going to, that he'll provide. And so we're going to pay you full salary all the way till June. I remember sitting there looking at my phone going, you got to be kidding me. How come no one ever tells you about the miracles in the middle? It's not about the there. It's about the middle. Tim, come here for a second. All right. There was this one time. There was this one time where um, <laughs> we were getting ready to renovate our house. And we didn't have a lot of money, but we needed to renovate our house because our kids had destroyed it single-handedly. And we needed to renovate it. Here, I'll take that from you. We needed to renovate it, and we needed to be able to put it on the market. Come, come stand right here. Come stand right here. And we, 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 had, we had kind of scrounged together all of our pennies. Y'all been there. You've done this. We were trying to lay a new floor, pull out the carpet. Or something. And all of a sudden, one morning, we wake up, and the whole entire heating, air conditioning system had just broken down. It just didn't work. And it was in the middle of the winter, and it was freezing cold. And so we had to get out of that house and go live with my in-laws because we couldn't survive there. And my mom and my dad are calling me, like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm just going to leave it that way. And whoever buys the house can fix it. Apparently, that doesn't work. And so um, he said, no, you're going to have to fix it because the pipes will burst and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, all right, well, how much is it going to cost? And my mom looked into it. It was a $3,200 fix. What am I going to do? Every bit of money that we've been trying to save up is for this move and what we're doing. No one told me about this being in the middle. $3,200 fix. What am I going to do with this problem? You're not a problem, but we're going to use you as an example. No one told me about this being in between my here and my there. What about this? Well, I kept on praying, right? And I can show you this in my journal. If you ever want to know, take me to dinner, and I'll show you in my journal, where I prayed over these things. And then so um, one of the things was here. So I'm praying, and I'm praying, and I'm praying, God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And my mom calls me back. And she says, hey, I got a friend who works for the company. I didn't even know who my mom worked for, okay? Apparently, she worked for an air conditioning company that sells parts. I didn't know. And so um, we're talking. She goes, hey, I know a guy, and, and he'll come over and look at it, and he kind of owes me a favor, and so we'll see what happens. So he comes over and looks at it, and he comes back, and he gets the parts from my mom's job. And my mom comes back, and she says, all right, it's going to be $178. And then she said, and we've already paid for that. So it went from $3,200 to zero. It went from no salary to salary. From $3,200 to zero dollars. The miracle, Jamal, come here for a second. Come here for a second. Hurry, 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 hurry. Just, come on, come on, quit trying to hand phones off. Come here, all right. Miracle in the middle. There was another time. I never raised money before. I've told you all this before. I'm a blue-collar guy. My dad's a blue-collar guy. He's always, if you want something, you work hard. And so stand over here on the side. And so when, when, they, when they told me that I was going to have to raise money, that freaked me out a little bit. And so I remember telling Darla, like, I don't know how to do this, babe. Like, like how are we going to 
convince people to give money to something not only can they not see, but it's not even really going to affect them because it's not even in their city. I don't know anybody in Smyrna to reach out to, so how is this going to work, right? All of a sudden, there was something in the middle. I was at a conference. I had a book in my lap. I'm writing, and the guy said, write this down. I said, all right, I'm ready. Let's do this. And he said, you, I said, you are, are, now, now, a, a. I was like, victorious child of God. You are now a mighty man of God. You are now a fundraiser. Nope. Nope. Nobody told me about this. In the middle. But they also didn't tell me about how Don and Nedra Hardy, spiritual father and mothers to us, were going to take us to Pyro's, a little pizza place one day, and Pastor Don was going to say this, hey, I just want you to tell my wife about the vision of victory. And we said, okay. And so we started sharing with about the vision of victory, and, and they were crying. They just loved what God was doing. And we got up, getting ready to leave. They said, we got to go. We got another meeting. I said, okay. They said, oh, by the way, uh, we put a, a check for $10,000 in the offering for you this Sunday. Me and Della did the ugly cry right there in Pyro's. You know, it's an ugly cry. No one ever told me about the miracles in the middle, right? How do, we pro- how do we always process faith? My here to my there. And so we get so destination driven that we count the journey as insignificant. But God says there's so many miracles in the middle. And in the middle is where you discover your weakness. And in the middle is where you grow in God. And in the middle is where you become intimate with God. It was all of those times where I was praying for salary and praying for this and praying for that, where me and God grew in our relationship. And I'm starting to realize that victory was just the bait to get me out of the boat. And it was always about the journey. It was always about the miracles that would happen in the middle. So I have to confess something to you, church. And this is going to be mean. Don't tweet this because out of context, it'll be really mean. I don't care if you get your prayer or not. I don't care if he answers your prayer or not. Because the destination does not compare to the journey. He just wants you out of the boat. Because the destination won't always make you grow closer to God. But the middle will. Peter was just trying to get to Jesus. Jesus said, it ain't about me. It's why I didn't say, come to me. It's why I just said, come. Because it's once you get in the middle and you start to tightrope, don't go nowhere, still using y'all, on the water, where I all of a sudden... Notice that when, G, when Peter needed Jesus, he was right there. Did you notice that? It says he just reached his hand out. He was right there. Because in your middle, in your journey, here's how, I, I, I picture, I've used this illustration before, I picture it as a daddy whose children are learning to walk, and he's right there ready to catch you. And he says, listen, you think it's about your destination. You think it's about you're there. The entire time it was about the journey. Can I prove it to you? Don't go, I'm still, still got something for y'all. So Matthew 14, 31-33, watch this. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand. He caught him, that's what we were just talking about. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Watch this. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Was that necessary? Could the wind not have died down about 20 minutes ago? I mean, for real, like... 
why did it have to move while I was in the water? It seems like you control weather, God, so much that once I got back to the boat, the wind died down. Why couldn't it have changed? Why couldn't it have been different? Why did I need the grind? Why couldn't we have planted victory with a building and a million dollars in the budget? We could have. Not really, but one of you felt generous. But we were going to learn something in the grind. Why are we having to set up every week, take down, because we're growing in the grind. Why, why, can't, why, why was I not born with the opportunity to have children immediately? Why, what is this process? Because God's growing you in the grind. How, how come, couldn't we just got a dog? Do we really have to have a third child? Yeah, because God's growing you in the grind. It's the grind. The process is the grind. God didn't want to allow Peter to walk on the water without experiencing the grind. Because, hey, another question for you. How did Peter get back on the boat? I'm assuming he what? Walked. I don't think Jesus carried him. My thought is, he sank, Jesus grabbed him, and now he walks back to the boat. But this time you don't see any recording of sinking, any recording of mistake, any recording of failure or it out because Peter had grown in the grind. He had learned while he was in the middle. And it's the stuff that we learn in the grind that grows us closer to God that becomes way more valuable than the destination. And when you catch this church, when you catch that the whole reason we're in this series is not about you getting your prayer. The whole reason we do anything is not about you getting your prayer. If he answers your prayer, great. That's awesome. That's cool whip on top. This whole process is for you to get out of the boat and get in the middle and experience the miracles that are in the middle and be able to grow in God in the process and for your weaknesses to become strong and for you to have experiences to tell your children about because there was a moment where God gave you a there that baited you out of the boat. And once you get there, you will start to look at the grind, watch this, as a gift. Man, God, it's no longer why did I have to go through that? It's thank you for letting me go through that. Because it was the grind that grew me. You ever been there? You ever been through something so horrible and so bad that you don't know why God, the loving Father of all, would ever make you go through it? But when you look back on it, you learn that you learned something from it, you grew from it, and now you're almost in a sick way thankful for it. Because there was a gift in the grind. So, the next time, while you're on this journey from here to there, the next time you run into the grind, the next time you have a moment where God's making you question, was this really God, and you're having this moment, do, do me a favor, all right? Let's see if I can get this to work or not. 
if you're going to be able to consider it a gift, Can I tell you something? Holy Spirit. When we moved here, I don't, I don't remember exactly how many. I want to say it was like 18. But at one point it was going to be 17. Because Jamal decided not to move. This is Jamal, in case you're visiting. Um, there was just a season in Jamal's life, for whatever reason, you can take him to dinner, and he can tell you that story, where Jamal decided he wasn't going to go. And then God brought some grind his way. And I know, because I've heard him tell the story, that it was the grind that allowed him to wake up, grow up, and go where God had told him to go. And it was the grind that got him out of the boat. And so you can certainly ah, consider the gift, the grind a gift. So, I didn't do that just to embarrass you, although I did. When you're moving from here to there, because we're only halfway into this series, and as we're moving forward from here to there, do not become so destination-driven that you count the journey as insignificant. Because the miracle is actually in the middle. And the grinds that you'll go through are actually gifts. Gifts that help you grow in God, gifts that help reveal your weaknesses, and gifts that make you stronger in the season that you're in. Amen?